Sketches from Scripture Presents. Wandering, Wisdom from the Wilderness, a teaching series from the stories of the Torah. Wandering is a teaching series by me, author and filmmaker Paul Andrew Skidmore. In this podcast, we'll be continuing our exploration of the narrative structure and style of the books of the Torah, focusing primarily on the book of Numbers. This study will give us context for a better understanding of Scripture. It will help us trust more in these Scriptures by demystifying them. Taking the stories from the perceived realm of mythology or spiritual mysticism or religious fairy tale and putting them on the ground where they belong. Real words written by real people about real events and real places, all pointing us to a very real God. I hope this podcast reminds you that even in times of wilderness wandering, the Creator of heaven and earth is with you. If you enjoy this podcast, Please share it with others. In this episode, I reference some images. If you'd like to see those images, you can go to skidmore.substack.com, find the post for this particular episode, and the images will be in the body of that post. You can also share this episode by sharing that page with others. So as you come in, just go ahead and tell us something that you are thankful for. I am thankful to be with mom and dad, and we've had a good time today. Uh, we watched Apollo 13 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of that. Um, I went on a walk with dad a little while ago. Mom's fixed us some bunch of good food while we've been here, and uh, I think dad and I both are down a, a, a hole in our belts. Um, so we couldn't decide if it's because we've lost weight or because we've stretched our belt out. I think it's because we've lost weight. I hope it's because we've lost weight. But um, yeah, so what are you thankful for? Um, let us know what you're thankful for. Tonight's going to be pretty interactive, hopefully. So I see people watching there. All right. Norma's thankful. Her family as well. I'm thankful for that also. We're all healthy here. Thankful that your family is staying healthy. That's great. I'm glad that the Lupos are staying healthy. There's Christie's come in. Good to see you as always. Aunt Sally's here. I saw your post earlier about sibling day. It's good to see your three faces, even if it was just a, a photograph. Thankful you all got to be together today for about an hour or so, even though you stayed apart. Yeah, I'm seeing lots of people doing, um, you know, a distanced gathering, either across the street from each other or meeting up in a parking lot and staying away from each other or something like that. I saw at a nursing home a picture where they were all the people in the nursing home were just kind of parked in their in their doorways and they were playing bingo in the hallway. Uh, I thought that was uh, really cool. David. Uh, Captain Coggin is here. Captain Coggin is thankful for his family and uh, and for books. I'm also thankful for books and friends. You know, David Coggin is always uh, so good to check in on me. And I think that that is probably for two reasons. Number one, David's a good friend and uh, I appreciate him uh, very much. And um, 
So that's one reason. But another reason is he's just a really encouraging person. David runs a ministry called Barnabas Vision, and it is named, of course, after Barnabas in the New Testament, who who gave Paul a second chance. And um, it's a ministry of second chances, and it's a ministry of encouragement. And he just uh, seeks to encourage people every way that he can. So I'm thankful. Captain Coggin is here with us tonight. So yeah, tell us what you're thankful for. Lavender's here. Nikki's here. Welcome, guys. Tell us what you're thankful for. We're going to be kind of interactive tonight as much as I can, depending on uh, who all comes in and stays and interacts. So please tell us what you're thankful for if you haven't already. Uh, the Gobbles are here and they're thankful for our elders. I'm thankful also for the elders at Central, at North Boulevard, in Murfreesboro, at Highland and White Station in Memphis, um, at Brewer Road in North Carolina when I was in film school. Um, I've just been really uh, privileged to be part of some really great churches. And um, so I'm thankful for elders, church leadership, uh, very much so. You know, I think that this is a really important time for churches just because um, I've been part of some big churches. Highland in Memphis is big. White Station was was pretty big. Of course, North Boulevard is one of the largest churches of Christ in the solar system. Big church, not the biggest, but one of the biggest. And um, even uh, Central is larger than the average Church of Christ size. And so I've been part of some large churches. I've been a part of some small churches, Brewer Road, the English speaking part of Brewer Road. I think I had about 30 people. And um, so I've uh, been in part of part of big churches and small churches. But I think at the big churches, we are so blessed with our resources to be able to provide a lot of programs for people and a lot of service to the community and be able to support missions in the way that uh, some smaller churches aren't able to. And I'm very thankful for that. But sometimes we spend a lot of time and effort and money and space on the, the big Sunday morning program, you know, the, the programmed worship service. Um, so um, not, not to say that a worship service is like a program or a show or something like that. I just mean, uh, you know, when you've got a thousand people coming in and you've got to coordinate communion and announcements. And when you have a, a video and live stream and those kinds of things, uh, it can be a big operation to get that pulled off every week. And, um, I think that during this time, we're seeing the church is more than our programs. The church is more than, um, you know, even our organized ministries, that the church is the people. Uh, I mean, we know that, but when something like this happens, it's a huge reminder that uh, the church is uh, the hands and feet of the people in the pews. And so when we don't have the pews, we're really thankful for the friends and family that we're able to be around. Nikki's grateful for her roommates. And, uh, I know, uh, I guess both of her roommates, um, and they're good people. I would be grateful for them also. And, uh, she's grateful that they like to cook and have been cooking healthy dinners. My roommates also are good cooks and have been cooking healthy food. I've been contributing very little to the cooking. Otherwise we would be eating, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and hamburgers pretty much every meal. Mom's thankful for the power of prayer. Uh, I am also, that just reminds me, one of my, you know, I mentioned a lot of C.S. Lewis quotes uh, right at the end last night, and I love a lot of the things that C.S. Lewis writes, and he um, 
wrote an essay called The Efficacy of Prayer. And I think if you can't find it just online somewhere, it's in a book called The World's Last Night. It's like a collection of C.S. Lewis essays. And there's a, an essay called The Efficacy of Prayer. In other words, um, the effectiveness of prayer, like does prayer work or should we even talk about it that way? And um, a lot of really beautiful things in that. If you can find a copy of it, you should read it. But sort of the gist of it is um, prayer works but not always by moving God's hand, but sometimes it works because it softens our heart and prepares us for what God is going to do. Um, so thankful also for the power of prayer. Aunt Sally's thankful for internet to stay connected with family and friends. I, I, I have been mentioning that in just our, our prayers over lunch and breakfast, just the technology. Um, I mean, imagine what this time might be like in terms of our loneliness, if we didn't have technology, I've, I've had, um, probably like many of you, I've, I've had some tough moments during the last month. And, um, some of that has been private and some of that I've, you know, has been <laughs> more outward. And, um, but I've got people that I can call. I've got my friends, Timothy and Jeremy and Shannon, and just some other people that, um, will always call back or pick up the phone. Andy Sneed, Keith Fussell, Juanita, Anthony, you guys are here. Tell us what you're thankful for. We're just sort of getting started off tonight talking about what we are thankful for. So be sure and be sure and tell us um, what you're thankful for. Uh, while others are typing in what they're thankful for, I'm going to flip over to the keynote here real quick and just remind that the, the Wandering series is about the book of Numbers. And in the Hebrew, the Hebrew books are actually named after the first word of the book. So Genesis is not called Genesis in Hebrews. It's called in the beginning. That is the name of the book in Hebrew. And so Numbers is not called Numbers in Hebrew. Instead, it's called in the wilderness, which is a much more exotic and exciting sounding title than Numbers. Many people get bored out of their minds as soon as you mention the book of Numbers. I think there's some incredibly exciting things that happen in the book of Numbers. I'm going to share that with you over the course of this series. We've looked at, you know, we just finished the big Genesis series a while back. We've been through, uh, even last night, we went chapter by chapter, basically, from Exodus through Leviticus, just, just really zipping through and looking at what every chapter had in it so that we could kind of catch up. And now we're starting with book of Numbers this evening. Um, thanks for you guys who keep coming in, Jeff Claybo, Lynn Helton. Tell us what you're thankful for in the comments. And uh, we'll come back to that in just a second. Um, we looked at, um, you know, the Exodus route. And so uh, we've got this uh, map here of what we call the Sinai Peninsula. And I've made the case that probably um, Mount Sinai of the Bible is actually in Northwestern Saudi Arabia, just on the other side of the Gulf of Aqaba. That's the right hand, the easternmost Gulf coming up from the Red Sea. And that the Israelites would have come down uh, the left side of the peninsula, come around the, the, the bottom, crossed over. The water would have parted right where those little islands are uh, between the Gulf of Aqaba and the rest of the Red Sea. And that, that we would have ended up in Saudi Arabia. And of course, you can see it's just desert over there. And that would be the wilderness that they wandered around in until they made their way northward up into modern day Jordan, which uh, 
by the time you get up to the Dead Sea at the top of the map there was uh, the nation of the area called Moab. And that would be where Moses would uh, watch as the Israelites cross over into uh, across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And so that kind of gives you a sense of the general area that we're looking at, what we're about to go into. So right now they're still at the base of Mount Sinai. They've been worshiping there. And we're about to go into um, the book of Numbers and sort of see what Numbers has to give us. We're going to look at a very small piece of the book of Numbers tonight. Um, but before we do that, just want to ask one last time, any of you that are watching, Madison's watching, um, any of you guys watching, please leave what you are thankful for in the comments. Tell us what you're thankful for. Uh, Juanita is thankful for uh, opportunity for eternal life. That's right. I mean, um, you know, people argue, well, do, does God choose us or do we do we choose God? You know, Calvinism versus Arminianism and people get real theological about this. But but the answer is, uh, does God choose us? Absolutely. Scripture tells us that. And if he didn't, uh, it wouldn't matter what we choose. And so first God chooses us. And then uh, we do have some responses to what God offers us. And we see that that happens all the time in the book of Numbers, which we're about to read. Lots of exciting things in Numbers. There's um, miracles and wonders, and there is punishment and discipline. And it's a super exciting book. There are, of course, chapters where it's the census and it's literal numbers. And um, that's okay. We're going to look at a little bit of that tonight, but uh, we're not going to get bogged down in those details. We're going to look at some of the narrative story components. Uh, Lynn is thankful for a beautiful day, healthy life, her kids, a free country to worship God and for life in general. And uh, I'm thankful for all those things. Also, things that sometimes we take for granted until we find ourselves in a time like we do now. So um, so if you're coming in, uh, oh, Miss uh, Ann is here. Good to see you. Please keep watching. Tell us what you're thankful for in the comments besides your one-year-old little baby. And of course, your um, your oldest son, who's one of my best friends. We're all thankful for him, I'm sure. Uh, tell us what you're thankful for. I'm going to flip back over here to the uh, keynote, and I'm going to um, give you just sort of a little bit of instructions here. So here's what I want us to do, and this will be most of what we do this evening for everyone who cares to participate. You don't have to answer every question. It'd be great if you did, but you don't have to. Uh, when I wrote these, like I haven't changed this from when I did this for the college class. So we'll just have to kind of make some modifications to broaden it out a little bit, but that's okay. So I'm going to ask you your full name, your age. You don't have to tell us your age if you don't want to. That's okay. Um, if you are a Christian, tell us when you became a Christian. Uh, if you're not a Christian, but maybe you are connected to a church or something like that, you can tell us about that. Um, if you are in school or recently, you know, out of school, a few years out of school, you can tell us what you're, what you majored in. You can tell us what you do for work, or if you're retired, you can tell us what you did for work, um, or what you did. You know, if you um, worked from home as a as a mother, you can uh, tell us that. Uh, this from tell us uh, like the town, the city. So, like, I'm originally from Cleveland. I live in Murfreesboro now, but I'm from Cleveland, Tennessee. 
And then tell us who you grew up with, your family. Most, a lot of us grew up, you know, with mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Some of us grew up with grandparents or um, maybe we were adopted or a foster kid or something like that. You don't have to tell us anything that you're not comfortable telling. Remember, this is Facebook. It is public. Anyone can see what you post. But uh, just post whatever that you're comfortable. Um, and then I want you to post also, and you don't have, you can do this in one um message or you can do it in uh, several. There's no rules here. It's okay. Whatever. Then I want you to tell me one or two sentences about your last family get together. Now that is not counting the last, uh, you know, month. <laughs> My last family get together was about five, you know, 20 minutes ago downstairs, uh, as we were watching TV. So not talking about that, talking about sort of, you know, if you had a family reunion or something like that, tell us about your last family get together. So I'll give you sort of a little, uh, form here. So you can just sort of kind of fill in the blanks here and uh, tell us about yourself. I'll give you mine as an example while you are typing yours out and you can kind of listen to me while you type. Uh, also, that'll make up a little bit for the uh, lag in time between what I'm doing and, and um, what you guys are hearing. But uh, so this is mine and this is from like three years ago. So it's some of it's out of date, but that's okay. I'll just read what I have. So I am Paul Skidmore. I am I'm now 41 years old. I became a Christian in 1994. I am, I was a sophomore in high school, I guess. I am a freelancer doing film, video design work. Uh, and now also an author. I'm from Cleveland, Tennessee. I grew up with my dad, Jim, my mom, Andy, my older brother, David, the people at North Boulevard call him Skid. And at the time that I wrote this, our last family get together, we took up three tables at Chick-fil-A, celebrated Daisy's birthday with tiny bowls of healthy treats. She used to eat just little tiny bowls of things. And we had a lot of laughs. And it was me, it was my parents, it was my brother and his family, and Daisy's uh, boyfriend and his sister. And so that's me. That's me sort of answering uh, the questions for this. I'll put this back up here. Tell us uh, who you are and uh, when you became a Christian, uh, what you did maybe for a living and where you're from, where you grew up, and just a sentence or two about your last family get together. And uh, it'll start to become apparent in a little bit uh, what this is all about. So fill in these blanks and um, give us some give us some comments. Excited to see what you guys have to say. I remember our last family get together in this house. Uh, I guess it was my brother's spring break. They came down uh, for a few days and we rode bikes and walked down to the library. And um, my favorite time was we went out on the screened in porch and listened to a Brian Regan comedy album, which uh, I, I, I love that we could do that because Brian Regan is is clean. And so Lila was young at the time. And so from, from Lila all the way up to dad in age, we all enjoyed it. We all laughed and um, and had a good time. Tell us who you are. You don't have to tell us your age if you don't want. When you became a Christian, when you were baptized. If you uh, maybe what you majored in in school, what you do for a living. And um, where you're from, who you grew up with, and what you did at your last family get-together. 
Okay, so uh, Christy's posted here. She's Christy. She's a brave soul, putting her age out there. She's 53 years young, became a Christian at 13. So you have almost been uh, a Christian as long as I've been alive. So that's really great. And um, as a, a homemaker and uh, doing a, a class at the Y. Oh, there's mom. Okay. Oh, we got a few coming in here. Okay. So mom says... Uh, Andrea Skidmore, 73, baptized May 27th, 1959, worked as a legal secretary, made plastic phone book covers. It's, it's like, <laughs> I have to go back in time to even remember what that is, but I remember the plastic phone book covers. Uh, retired principal secretary. Uh, that was always a great time that I could just pop in any time of day and see mom at school and or steal her keys and secretly leave campus for lunch. Um, not that I ever did that, of course, um, but I, but I did do that and, uh, now live within two blocks, each direction of where I spent most of my time. Yeah. We walk around the neighborhood and, um, mom can always point out who lived where and, or we'll drive around a little bit and mom will point at, uh, old houses they lived in and, um, granny's house is just right up the street from us here. And I always like to walk by there and remember the day I got my knee stuck in the, uh, the railings on the front porch. Lynn Helton's 57 years old, became a Christian at 12 years old, but was uh, baptized two other times and went to school to be a nurse and became a dental assistant, worked at TJ Maxx, and is from Alabama. Yay, roll tide, for sure. Uh, grew up in the church. My last family get-together was at Christmas at my mom's. And uh, we've, you know, I've known Lynn's family my whole life, I guess. And... Uh, her daddy was always really good to us. And I just thought he came into our class when I was in youth group. He came into our class a time or two and just always had just good, level-headed, wise things to say. And I know my brother is just real thankful when um, it was one of the funerals. It was, um, I guess, maybe uh, Peapoppy's funeral, my dad's dad in Franklin County. I think it was. Um, Bill drove all the way out there and um, sat next to David. David was sitting up on the front pew, sad, and, and Bill came and just sat next to him, and he just sat there for a little while and just sat with him. And um, after sitting with him for a little while, I was kind of patted him on the leg and got up and left and never really said a word to him. But my brother was always so thankful for his presence and uh, that he drove all the way just to, just to come and sit for a few minutes and let him know that he was cared for and cherished by his elders. Goes back to what Ted was saying before, Ted and... Judy saying about uh, being thankful for the elders. All right, the Gobbles. Ted Gobble, age 85, became a Christian in 1959. Retired from Cleveland, Tennessee. Last time our whole family was together was Christmas. Christmas is a special time. And uh, we think back at, at Christmas when we can all be together. And we got Easter coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, Easter Sunday. Another time when families often like to get together. And it's, uh, it's just going to be so different this year. Uh, with us uh, really not able to all be together. So I'm glad that we have these memories we can remember not too far in the, the past when, when we were all together. Norma Kendrick, 73, became a Christian in 1959. 1959, must, were there gospel meetings in 1959 or something? Seems like that was a, a, a good year for the church. Uh, graduate of Auburn University. Uh, it seems like I heard somewhere that you were an Auburn fan, Norma. And uh, secretary at Central, 
Um, taught school. Uh-oh, all my comments are going here. Taught school 10 years before moving to Cleveland from Montgomery, Alabama. Wonderful adoptive parents. I did not know that, so that's interesting to know. Last family get-together, it was this afternoon, celebrating Courtney's birthday and watching Hadley Hunt, Easter eggs, practicing social distancing. That's really great. So I guess if you find an egg, you just toss it across the lawn into a basket. Uh, my Aunt Sally, in my 70s from Deckard, baptized at 13. Um, I'm a 14-year 14, 14 or so. We took a four-generation family trip to Disney this winter. Uh, I didn't have to plan it. The children and grandchildren planned it. That's always nice. All I had to do was pay for it. <laughs> that's, see, that's where they get you. Um, we all had a, a special time in memory. Oh, that sounds like uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I think last time our family all went to Disney World together, uh, all of us together, might have been when mom was pregnant with me. Because I think when we went as a family, I can't remember if dad went with us um, after I was born. And I remember dad... I think it was the hottest summer Florida had like ever had or one of them. And it was the middle of July. Mom was eight and a half months pregnant with me or something. And I think dad's favorite part of Disney world was splashing cool water in the back of his neck in the uh, restroom. And uh, Ted's clarifying. He's just 84, but close to 85 in August. I think I vaguely remember that you had an August birthday. I'm also an August, August baby. If we're able to get out, we can uh, share some cake together if I'm if I'm still around. All right, Nikki. This is one of my Starbucks friends from Murfreesboro, and uh, she's about to turn 33 on Thursday. Became a Christian in 2013 at age 25. Made the decision as an adult. And originally from Miami and grew up in a typical Cuban household that included mom, grandparents, stepbrother, and sister. She makes my coffee for me uh, uh, for a living at Starbucks. And her last get together was her grandmother's funeral. And it was nice seeing everybody that she hadn't seen in a while. And I know that her grandmother really was like a, a mother to her in a lot of ways. And um, so I know that uh, I think she's had a couple of funerals in, in a row here in the last year or so. And it's been tough to, to go down to Miami. In fact, I met, I saw her, I forget where I was going. I ran into her at the Starbucks in the airport in Nashville one time. Where she was headed to Miami, and I was—I uh, forget where I was going. Uh, Juanita's Juanita Harris graduated high school with my mom, and so we'll let the math wizards figure all that out. Uh, I became a Christian as an adolescent. I retired after working in a hospital for forty plus years. We appreciate your time and service doing that. And I uh, grew up with five siblings, well, one of which, of course, is Judy Gobble, who's on here with us, along with her parents. Last family get together was last Sunday able to have worship together. And they also had Eddie Dyer and uh, Eddie, who sometimes joins us here, and another couple who uh, my son had invited to church and look forward to being able to do it again. It's going to be nice when we're all able to uh, see each other and get together in larger groups. And uh, hopefully we have good news coming in a couple of weeks. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. Um, the best news, of course, is the news that we get to celebrate tomorrow. And that is that Jesus is risen and that we do have hope for eternity. And which I believe is what uh, Juanita said she was thankful for earlier. And um, so I'm thankful for all these things, too. If you're still listening, uh, Dee, Hank, uh, Miss, Miss Russell, all you guys, if you want to, uh, Lisa, Lisa's listening live this time. If you guys want to fill this out, drop it in the comments. We'll all be blessed by it. Um, I am going to take it off the screen because uh, 
before we run out of time, I don't want to go long tonight. I do want to read from Numbers chapter one. So you can follow along uh, in a Bible if you want, or you could just listen. Uh, we'll just, um, uh, I, I'm just going to read it aloud. You know, actually, I may have it on. Uh, no, I don't. So I'm just going to read it aloud. Okay. This is Numbers one, Numbers chapter one. This is from the Christian Standard Bible, which is uh, the version I, I kind of like just for daily reading. So uh, Numbers one, or in the begin, uh, in the wilderness, chapter one, verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the wilderness of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after Israel's departure from the land of Egypt. Here's what the Lord tells Moses. Take a census of the entire Israelite community by their clans and their ancestral families, counting the names of every male one by one. You and Aaron are to register those who are 20 years old or more by their military divisions. Everyone who can serve in Israel's army. A man from each tribe is to be with you, each one the head of his ancestral family. These are the names of the men who are to assist you. Elizer, son of Shadur from Reuben. Shalumiel, son of Zerushadai from Simeon. Nashon, son of Amenadab from Judah. Nathanael, son of Zuar from Issachar. Eliab, son of Helon from Zebulun. From the sons of Joseph. Elishama, son of Amahud from Ephraim. Gamaliel, son of Pedazur from Manasseh. Abidon, son of Gideoni from Benjamin. Ahiezer, son of Amishadai from Dan. Pagiel, son of Akron from Asher. Eliasef, son of Duel from Gad. Ahira, son of Enan from Naphtali. These are the men called from the community. They are leaders of their ancestral tribes, the heads of Israel's clans. So Moses and Aaron took these men who had been designated by name, and they assembled the whole community on the first day of the second month. They recorded their ancestry by their clans and their ancestral families, counting one by one the names of those 20 years old or more, just as the Lord commanded Moses. He registered them in the wilderness of Sinai. And then we get into the first census, the actual numbers, and I won't read all this word for word, but just again to point out, 46,500 in the tribe of Reuben, uh, tribe of Reuben, over 59,000 in the tribe of Simeon, over 45,000 in the tribe of Gad, 74,600 descendants of Judah, the largest tribe. And uh, we've talked about reasons why that is when we did the Genesis series, uh, 54,000 plus if from Issachar, 57,000 plus from Zebulun, 40,500 from Ephraim, a little over 32,000 from Manasseh, 35,000 from Benjamin, 62,000 from Dan, uh, over eight, over 41,000 from Asher, and over 53,000 from Naphtali. And these are the men Moses and Aaron registered with the assistance of the 12 leaders of Israel. Each represented his ancestral family. So all the Israelites, 20 years old or more, everyone who could serve in Israel's army were registered by their ancestral families. All those registered numbered 603,550. But the Levites were not registered with them by ancestral tribe. For the Lord had told Moses, do not register or take a census of the tribe of Levi with the other Israelites. 
appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, all its furnishings and everything in it. They are to transport the tabernacle, all its articles, take care of it and camp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. And whenever it is to stop at a campsite, the Levites are to set it up. Any unauthorized person who comes near it is to be put to death. Remember, this is about holiness, trying to keep things pure and clean. We talked about that last night. The Israelites are to camp by their military divisions, each man with his encampment and under his banner. The Levites are to camp around the tabernacle of the testimony and watch over it so that no wrath will fall on the Israelite community. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So you've got the 12 brothers. Levi is not counted, but the sons of Joseph are counted you know, as two. So you still have 12 counts there and you've got three tribes on uh, each side all around the camp with the Levites in the middle around the tabernacle doing all the duties there and protecting that. So this is the first chapter of Numbers. Gets us into this really magnificent story that we're going to be focusing on over the next few nights. And it kind of ties in with sort of the interactive thing that we've been doing here. I see more of you have been have been leaving comments and I'll get back to those in just a second before we go. But I just uh, want to point out uh, a, a couple things. This is the big takeaway and why I read these names. Because we see all these names in Numbers chapter one and we think, why are we reading these names? Nobody can pronounce them, uh, which by the way, a trick, if you're ever called upon to read scripture aloud and you got really difficult names of places or people kind of like this, if you just read them loudly and quickly, uh, no one knows if you did it wrong and they just think you really sounds really smart. So that's the trick to that, right? Just loud and quick and no, nobody knows. But you see all these names, and you're like, I don't know what these names mean. I don't know who these people are. Honestly, a lot of these names you never see again in scripture. They're just right here as part of helping with this census. So why do this? Well, I went to film school. And one of the things, one of the first things we sort of learn to do in film school is how to appreciate the things that we watch that have already been made by other people. And part of that means watching the credits. You always stay and watch all the credits of a film. Some filmmakers entice you to do this by leaving something after the credits. We call it a coda. And so, you know, the Marvel films and things like that will always put something after the credits. So that way you stay and you listen to all the music and you see all the names go by. When I stop and watch, you know, Star Wars movies in particular, I have friends that have worked at Skywalker Sound. And so I'm always looking to see if if Will or Clint or uh, uh, any of those guys worked on the films, you know, people that I know. Um, I have worked on films. My name appears in credits of a couple of films that you can buy on iTunes or sometimes see on television. And I would like for you to see my name and I'd like to get the credit uh, for having worked on on the project. Uh, when you listen to a CD or an album, like you should kind of look through the liner notes and see who produced this thing. And you, it'd be interesting what you learn by doing that. Um, and my brother has gotten really into uh, crossword puzzles. And I don't really know why, but he was asking about who writes the crossword puzzles and who are the authors of those things. And so uh, what's really great here is we have in Numbers chapter one, we have a listing of the names of people, the individual names of real people, historical figures who lived, who were other than this, this event unimportant to world history. They were just former slaves, nomads in the desert. But here we have their name recorded. And 3,500 years later, we're reading it. We're reading it out loud. We're reading it to everyone who's listening now. A handful of people, dozen people so watching. And so that's why I want us all to share sort of our own things, the things that we're thankful for and, and our background and our family, because I think it's encouraging to hear that. And so this is the point, this is the big takeaway that I want you to take away from Numbers chapter one, and that is this. In the wilderness, 
in times of wilderness, the Lord is trying to lead us somewhere. That's what we talked about last night. And here's what we're adding on tonight. And every single one of us matters. The Lord is trying to lead us somewhere during these times of wandering in the wilderness. And every single one of us matters. And so uh, many of you who are watching are friends from church here in Cleveland. And um, like I said, I've, I've mentioned a lot of the stories uh, about growing up at Central and how much that has meant to me. And the foundation for doing classes like this was was laid by uh, a lot of the, the, the people that are here or, or maybe your parents. Um, uh, I mean, uh, Christy Gardner is here. Her dad, Dr. Bob delivered me. I literally would not be on this earth if it weren't for uh, Dr. Bob delivering me. And he sat on the pew in front of me at church um, my whole time there. And I'm very thankful for that. And so I, I, I cannot think about the church without thinking about the people, without thinking about the individual names, without thinking about uh, the how great it was to grow up going to church with my aunt and my cousins and my uncle Roger. And um, uh, how great it was uh, when I come home to how great it is when I come home to visit and me and mom and dad can all go and I can see a lot of families all still sitting in the same places that they have been for the last 30, 40 years and uh, lots of new faces, lots of changes in families. And um, just today, I've had uh, several notices just from all kinds of different people. I've seen several uh, people who have lost family members in the last couple of days or have uh, people who are, are sick. I have... Um, seen um, uh, uh, people that have um, uh, come home from the hospital and people that have been healed of things and there's good news and bad news. And that's the thing with the wandering. There's the, the woe and the wonder, uh, the W-O-N-D, right? The wonder, the woes and the wonders that happen in this wandering period in the wilderness. And the biggest thing is that we go through it with God and we go through it with each other. So um, I'll come back and uh, read some of these uh, comments here if I can scroll down to see them. Uh, oh, I can do it here. So let's see. We've got uh, Kevin Gardner. Kevin's 52, became a Christian at 13 and is a prosthesis. You know, I don't guess I ever knew that, uh, Kevin. Uh, I grew up in Smyrna, Tennessee. I, I didn't know you were a prosthesis. I thought you were a uh, church of Christ. Um, I, I attend Central Church of Christ. I went to David Lipscomb University. That's where I met Christy. Uh, my family met today, keeping our distance. I'm really thankful we all live in Cleveland. Really miss hugging my grandbabies. I'm sure that you do. It won't be too much longer, I, uh, Lord willing. Uh, and uh, Christy, oh, I guess she sent hers a little early last time. So let's see. She was a third grade teacher before kids, became a Christian at 13, was privileged to be a caregiver for both of my parents until last year. And uh, I know that they're thankful for that. And we're thankful that you were able to do that and spend that time with them. So blessed to have weekly family gatherings since both of our girls and their kids have moved back home. Blessed and highly favored. So true. There's Hank. Hank and I went to high school together. And uh, Hank, I'm 41 years old, became a Christian as an adolescent, work at the county fire department. I'm from Cleveland. I grew up with everybody else my age in Cleveland. We got together today. And um, I have to say, of probably all the people that are currently watching, uh, if there was a zombie apocalypse, Hank would be the guy that I would want with me. Hank, Hank is a uh, is a, he's Presbyterian, but he's also a fellow uh, Boy Scout and um, always uh, a handy guy. 
So uh, good to hear from you, Hank. Glad you were watching this evening. So uh, I want to leave you with one last thing uh, since our time is, is up and over. And uh, that is this. This is what we call, it's from number six, and it's the priestly blessing. So I will pray this over you and then our time will be over this evening and um, hope that you guys have had uh, a good weekend and have a blessed Easter tomorrow. And I'll see you tomorrow night at eight o'clock. So let me pray this over you and then we'll, we will be done. Um, and I'll pray it just by, by reading what's on the screen. This is Numbers 6, 22 through 27 from the English Standard Version. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed are those who hear it and obey. Sketches from Scripture is a production of Parabolos, the production company of author and filmmaker Paul Andrew Skidmore. Subscribe to this podcast and more at skidmore.substack.com.